Welcome everybody to Between the Lines, podcast from Jewish Quest. My name is Simon Eder, and each week I'm joined by an exciting guest who helps us to deconstruct that week's parasha, exploring new insights and meaning in the Torah. And it's wonderful as we continue our exploration of Devarim to welcome Professor Rabbi David Frankel, who is Professor of Bible at the Schechter Institute of Jewish Studies in Jerusalem, where he teaches MA and rabbinical students. Of course, no stranger to Between the Lines. It is wonderful to welcome Rabbi Frankel back as this week we explore Ekev. Rabbi Frankel, welcome and very much look forward to your wonderful insights and thoughts this week. Thank you for that lovely introduction. It's good to be back. What I wanted to talk about in relation to Parshat Ekev is the famous passage from the Shema that appears in the parasha. It's the second of the three passages that are read in the Shema prayer. The first one comes from the previous parasha, Va'et Hanan, which is, begins with the famous passage, Shema Yisrael. And the second one, the second paragraph of the Shema comes from this week's parasha, Ekev, and that is the one that starts, V'haya im shamoa tishma'u. If you will heed my commandments and the following verses. The third paragraph of the Shema comes from the book of Numbers, and that's the one that deals with tzitzit, and we're going to focus on the one from this parasha. It should be familiar to many listeners, and I'll just read the first three, two or three sentences as they appear in our Hebrew text and translate it. The Haya in Shamoa Tishmeu el Mitzvotai, Asher Anochi Mitzavetchem Hayom. It shall come to pass if you listen to my commandments, which I command you today. La Ahava et Adonai Lechem to love God, your God, or the deity, your God, and to worship him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will give rain for the land in its time, the early, early rains and the later rains, you will gather your grain, etc., I will give provide grass in the field for your animals, or not grass, but whatever growth. You shall eat and be sated. And then the other side, be careful not to go against the commandments and worship other gods. And if that happens, then 
the Lord God will be angry, etc., etc. He will hold back the heavens from rain. This is a text which deals with or portrays a, con a, a contrast between obedience. When there is obedience, there is rain and fertility. And when there is lack of obedience, then God responds with drought, etc. The issue that I want to focus on is a very simple one. And that is the question of who is the speaker of this text? Usually we don't necessarily pay that much attention to that question, who is the speaker? But it's important to focus on that question and to pay attention to it. On the one hand, and there are two possibilities here, the book of Deuteronomy, in which this passage appears, is also known as the book of Moses. And why is it known as the book of Moses? Simply because Moses seems to be the main speaker. He reviews to the Israelites who are about to enter the land. He reviews all the laws. He reviews the events that have happened. And so it is natural to think that the speaker of this text is Moses. On the other hand, there are parts of the text that we, of this Shema passage, which seem to imply that the speaker is not Moses, but is God. And why is that? It says, if you listen to my commandments, who is whose commandments are they? You would think that they are God's commandments. And not only that, it goes on to say, I shall give you rain in its time. Obviously, Moses is not the one who has the capacity to provide for rain. So it must be God that is saying, I shall give rain for your lands in its time. I shall provide grass for your animals in the fields, etc. So, from all those reasons, it would seem then that the speaker is God. And yet, if we continue with the passage, we will note or not even continue, read other parts of the passage, say the first verse, if you will listen to my commandments, which I command you today, sounds like it's God speaking, but then it doesn't say to love me and to follow my commandments, but it's to love the Lord your God and to worship him with all your heart. So that sounds like it's Moses talking about God. But then it goes back to saying, I will provide grass for the fields for your animals. And then it goes on to say, so that sounds like it's God. And then it goes on in the next verse to say, but if you don't listen, then the anger of the Lord will appear 
will burn against you. That sounds like it's Moses speaking again about God. So the situation in this text is very confusing in terms of who the speaker is. And we can ask basically two questions. Question number one is, who is the speaker, God or Moses? And question number two, why is the text so confusing? I'm going to suggest an answer to both of these questions. And the key to the answer, I believe, though this is open to interpretation, the key to the answer, in my view, is found in the Greek translation of the Torah, known as the Septuagint, or Targum Hashidim, the translation of the 70, based on the story that it was translated in Egypt into Greek by 70 Jewish scholars who were sent there to Egypt, to Alexandria. Anyway, what is the version, the way that the text is translated in the Greek version of this section of the Shema does not have all of these problems and inconsistencies and it reads basically as if i'm going to read it as if it as if i was reading it as if it i'm reading the hebrew but the way that the greek seems to have translated or perhaps even read its hebrew version which is if you listen to his commandments which i command you today then he will give you rain. Not as in our Hebrew, but in the Greek, it assumes and then he will give and the same thing in the next verse. I shall give grass in the field is what our Hebrew reads, but the Greek has he will give you grass. And basically the entire Greek version of the Shema assumes consistently that it is Moses talking about God and it is not God speaking God's self. So since that is more consistent, at least one possible argument, and I believe this is the correct argument, is that the Greek translation actually reflects an earlier version of the Hebrew. Don't forget, we should not forget that whoever translated the Nach into Greek, they translated it from a Hebrew text. And that Hebrew text often was different than the Hebrew text which reaches us in the Hebrew Bible. And so it makes a lot of sense that the Greek version actually reflects the earlier and probably more correct or more authentic version of the Shema, in which Moses consistently is the speaker. Now, if that is true, what we're left with is the question as to why in the Hebrew version 
that we are familiar with and that we say whenever we read the Shema, why in the Hebrew version that we're familiar with is the question of the speaker's identity so confusing? Or in other words, why does it seem to vacillate between Moses as the speaker and God as the speaker? And my answer is that this reflects, I believe, a broad tendency that we find in later times, meaning post-biblical times, to present the words of Moses as the words of God, or in other words, to almost erase the persona of Moses as an independent person and to present anything he says as just a mouthpiece of the speech of God. And we see this tendency most clearly in a famous book, not so famous, but it's famous for scholars, that was found in the Qumran caves called the Temple Scroll. The Temple Scroll is basically a rewriting of Deuteronomy. And the Temple Scroll does one amazing trick, which is anywhere in Deuteronomy that Moses speaks, it turns it into first person. God is speaking. And in that way, the Qumran text basically removes Moses as a figure from all of the book of Deuteronomy. And what I'm suggesting is that tendency to take Moses out of the equation and put God as the speaker in Moses's place, that tendency is already found in an inconsistent, yet nonetheless somewhat persistent attempt to turn parts of Deuteronomy, even in our Hebrew version of Deuteronomy, from being mosaic speech to being divine speech. But it wasn't done in a thoroughgoing and a consistent and a complete way. And so some of our text of the Shema is still sounds like it's Moses's speech, but some of it gets turned into divine speech. The final question I want to address, and with this I will come to a conclusion, is why do we find this tendency? In other words, why in the book of the Temple Scroll from Qumran do they turn all of Moses' speech into God's speech? And why in our Hebrew version of the Shema, of the second paragraph of the Shema, is are some of the verses at least turned from what theoretically, or according to my conjecture, was originally purely mosaic speech? Why is there this tendency to turn it into divine speech? And I would like to suggest two complementary reasons for this. One is 
of course, authority. Moses, as great a man as he is remembered to have been, as wise a man, as great a prophet as he was remembered to have been, is nonetheless a human being, a mortal. So if he promises that if you don't obey the commandments, then God is going to give, bring a drought. And if you do, he will, if you do observe the commandments, he will bring rain. That's one thing when it's Moses speaking, but it's much more powerful if it's God who is actually speaking. And this is true, especially of the commandments. When it says, Asher anochi etchem, the commandments that I command you, who is commanding? In the original, I think the meaning was, I, Moses, am commanding. I am the leader. I am the authority. I am the person who you should be obeying, even though ultimately you're going to be worshiping God. I am the commander here. Well, that was also problematic. After all, Moses, again, was a mortal. But if it's God that's speaking, then it is God that is commanding the commandments, and the commandments are divine commandments. So all of this also has a tremendous effect on the authority behind the mitzvot, the commandments, because these are commandments that God commands, not just Moses. And so that's one thing, authority. The other thing I want to mention that may also lie behind this tendency to turn Mosaic speech into divine speech is the desire for divine intimacy. People want to feel close to God. And a text which gives us Moses' speech about God doesn't quite answer that human need the way a text which presents God speaking as God's own persona. And so that answers a deep emotional, psychological need to hear God, to speak with God, to feel that God is addressing us. And I believe that also stands behind this slow changing of the Torah's words or of the book of Deuteronomy from Mosaic speech to divine speech. I'll stop there and we can perhaps discuss a little bit if if that is what is deemed. I have, Rabbi Franco, thank you so much, as ever, so insightful, and thank you for your reference to the Temple Scroll as well. I have one key question, which is, yeah. how reflective of this in Devarim, in, in Deuteronomy, is this? And what does it maybe say of the purpose of the final book of Moses? This 
appears really the reason that I chose to speak about this section of the Shema is because the conflict or the tension between mosaic speech and divine speech speech is very clear. The tension is clear, and it's also a text that I think many people are more familiar with. However, this tension appears throughout many sections of the book of Deuteronomy. So it is not really limited only to this little section. It's something that characterizes the book of Deuteronomy. And if we were to go into detail, which we're not going to do, I could point out all the different verses that seem to imply that Deuteronomy as a whole is the word of God versus the view of Deuteronomy as a whole as the speech of Moses. And these two conflicting conceptions of the book as a whole, not just one section or another, it just appears side by side in different passages of the book of Deuteronomy. And perhaps we can say that the tension reflects a real a real conflict that exists within Judaism broadly, which is the tension between the humanity of the Torah, the earthbound nature of the Torah, the fact that it is grounded in human experience, in human authorship, in human creation, and at the same time, the desire to see it and to attribute it more and more as thoroughly divine. And yet at the same time, one one interprets it as thoroughly divine. That also becomes, even though that makes God closer to us in a certain way, because God is speaking to us, that also has its dangers, because once it's absolute and totally divine, we lose control over it. It can become too overbearing, too limiting. And so there is always within Judaism this conflict, this dialectic, these two poles, one seeing the Torah as a whole, as divine, and another seeing the Torah as human as something that comes from the human voice and is controllable and is malleable and is adjustable because it is given over to humans. Here in the book of Deuteronomy, the laws are given by Moses, and the Moses, to a great extent, is the speaker, and, that, and Moses is the commander. And yet at the same time in other parts of Deuteronomy, it's all God. So this conflict is like two opposing tendencies that exist together and clash with each other. And as long as both of them exist, I would suggest, we're in good shape. It's when one is affirmed and the other that is negated that the tension is dissolved And that, I believe, is to the detriment of the Jewish tradition as a whole. 
Rabbi Frankel, as ever, thank you for bringing that conflict, that healthy tension between the human and the divine that we see here, as you've pointed out, and very much in the rest of the book of Deuteronomy that we look forward to continue exploring. So thank you so much for your wonderful insights today, and we look forward to wrestling, continuing to wrestle with that all-important tension. My pleasure. If, if you enjoyed this podcast, then please do remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, do find out more about our exciting content we have for you. Plenty of previous podcasts on our mothership, jewishquest.org, and we very much look forward to meeting again next week. Mm-hmm.